Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Hey guys, Steven here. Quick spoiler warning for this episode. We do talk about Mistborn and some other Cosmere things two or three times, kind of throughout not longer discussions, but we do name drop some things and, and kind of name some larger events. So if you're not current on the Cosmere, just a quick warning. What's up, spread of all shapes, sizes, and varieties? This is Phantology with our final review of Rhythm of War. Final for now. Who knows? By the time book five comes out we may do another review or something uh that that may be a, a few years from now but as it stands now we have finished the book we did reviews of all five parts and we just concluded a non-spoiler review so this is going to be a little more brief spoiler filled review of the book if you haven't read yet obviously don't listen unless you want the plot horribly spoiled so in our previous review, in the non-spoiler review, we talked about how we loved all four of these books, but for some of us, uh, Rhythm of War was uh, maybe not as good as the other ones. I think I was the highest. I gave it nine out of 10, but there were ratings as low as high sevens, even looking at you, Jake. So I think now is the time to go full spoilers and why we did and did not like parts of the book. Overall, we love the book, like Jake said in the previous episode every minute was a delight but at the same time it was like did there need to be as many minutes i guess is the thing right um i am in, i i finalized my review at an eight eight out of ten <laughs> okay there were no sevens <laughs> we're up to eight after i threw shade at you yeah <laughs> yeah okay so can i just get my my one criticism out of the way is that okay all right yeah. hot takes coming in okay from Jack. So I defended in part two, I defended this chapter where Shalon goes and interviews these three people, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, so I fought, I fought you guys. I fought you guys on this. I said, no. Because we said what? Yeah, well, because you guys are like, oh, I was just kind of long-winded to get this, do right. this strategy of, you know, laying a trap and, and we all know it's not going to go anywhere. Right. Like Sanderson's come up with this brilliant new way yeah. of finding a spy that we've never heard of before. And, like, and I said, oh my I gosh, said, lay a false trail. I said, no, no, no. This chapter was doing that, but it was also a clever way to get us to know these characters that are going to be on the trip with us, right? Like, it was a way to have these, you know, detailed conversations where you get their backstory. Really important characters. Kind of really info important. dumpy. And then, did we get any of those characters mentioned? Or in, like ever again in the book they all just got left behind <laughs> <laughs> like two chapters later i don't even gonna... remember their names i don't I remember stump because i was like hey stump yeah yeah <laughs> who else we had gadecki and uh whoever the stone ward was what a disappointment we finally get a stone ward yeah they do, they do nothing nothing so i sat there like spending 10 minutes of that episode defending this chapter which i 
I assumed was going to have better payoff. And that honestly dropped my rate. Like maybe it's just because I have to eat my words, but I feel like I would have given it like a solid nine out of 10 or 9.5 out of 10 if it weren't for that scene. All right. Because of pride, Josh's review falls. <laughs> Do you know what else Josh defended? <laughs> what? Email, email, email. Evil. The Battle of Evil, I, I, I was I was, I was fine with Evil. Yeah. I was fine really? with that section. Yeah. But but why did it happen? <laughs> what do you mean, why? Like, what was the point of it? So Just to get Dalinar out of the tower? Not just to get Dalinar out of the tower. It's continuing the... You couldn't just put all of that on hold while there's a thing in Eurythiru. You know, like it's kind that, of to yeah. push Dalinar's bondsmith. Training. Yeah, it's like obviously, obviously for Dalinar's character, but also plot wise, it makes sense. Like that, like the war needs to continue. It would be kind of weird for the story to be like, okay, the war's on hold because they've taken okay, Eurythiru that's now. So I mean, it, so it had to. I'll happen. say we either needed we either needed a lot more of it or just none of it. No, I, I I could do with a little more of it, but I think it was I think it was fine how it was. The ending was pretty intense. Yeah, the ending was great. I think it should have been more consequential. I think we had enough time with it, a good amount of time with it, but I feel like that it should have connected in some way. Like either Dalinar like realizes after fighting this battle that like it's not worth the cost. And so that leads directly to his decision with William. That does happen. He's like not fighting really. the battle. Yeah. And he goes, that's the reason he decided when Odium rejected the like deal that Wit had come up with, Dalinar decided we need to make a deal right now because we we're not going to survive a protracted war like this. Yeah, I agree. But I think he should have like lost an email or something because of that. Like, I know that he reaches that decision, but I don't feel like it was because of this specific battle that we spent a hundred pages reading about. I, I saw a direct comp- connection to that. Okay, I, I will say that I, I feel like you're onto something a little bit there, Ben. I, 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 I agree with Jake that there was a connection for sure with the Teravangi and Todium thing. But I was so emotionally invested in what was happening with Kaladin and Navani and Yurithiru that I just didn't care about Emil because I was like, well, I care about Yurithiru and what's going on there. And Emil doesn't seem to carry the same weight and I'm not as attached to it. So when that stuff was happening, I was like, yeah, whatever. But are we going to get out of the tower? Like, is it going to be, is that going to be resolved? That's all I really cared about. I think the weakest part of email for me was not the the military campaign, but the fact that they didn't, that it's just like, okay, he's pretty sure Eurythiru has been taken over. And then he sends some scouts. And then that kind of like, there wasn't a good resolution there, in my opinion, of him right. either like fully accepting a case taken over, but once I'm done with this, I'm going to go back there or not knowing or something. That was kind of like vague on how that. They kind of had that council with Yasna and Wit and like Yasna's like, we have to be realistic. And Dalin's like, we have to go in. But like, you could tell his heart really wasn't in it. I wanted the Blackthorns to like be kicking down some doors, like to get to his love. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've... But also what options did they have? They, they had no ability to get back, right? Yeah. I feel like that the point of the council was to show like it was seriously saying hey look i yeah this is why i didn't have that happen you know yeah i just think that part could have been a little stronger but honestly that was my only real complaint with emul okay so what are some things we liked what were the highlights from this kaladin's kaladin's growth was great obviously i think that's going to be people's favorite parts to this the whole 
Die Hard esque uh-huh. sequence uh-huh. and the tower of him being like only half using half his powers and using Navani's device to Spider Man around. I don't know, all of that was great for me. Do you guys remember how I called the Iron Man scene where where Kaladin is like gets all the wind spread to him, like uh-huh. Iron Man getting his armor? That was a pretty epic sequence. I mean that it's, this plate, yeah. It it just goes along with what Jake was saying. Um that that ending scene where where Moash is like, Whatever you do, don't attack him. He's broken. And then sure enough the pursuer attacks him and Kaladin is like I am going to kill you. And he literally lashes his head off. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I was kind of confused, uh, just technically speaking, how he was still able to do the reverse lashings when it's not adhesion. It's still gravitation. Yeah, I think that was a little vague. Maybe we're going to learn more about yeah. why the whole thing happened there. You know, I mean, why did why did adhesion work? at all just because it's it's like like purely honor i guess yeah but why like why does that matter because because the sibling is 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 both so yeah like adhesion is only going from stormlight so that's why regrowth worked as well yeah yeah and and we we also got a little bit of a sciency info dump when fanley was talking to leshwi raponel one of the fused about the different adhesions and they were like mm-hmm. oh no they basically the gravity lashing is just of honor and odium doesn't have access to that or right? adhesion is just of honor A- adhesion yeah yeah that's why the fused only have nine orders instead of ten and she was saying that it's really just a contrived lashing because it doesn't actually really like exist yeah it's more to do with the bond the binding of the honor bind- yeah so why do they have nine and not eight? Because why do they get regrowth with? Because that's cultivation. Because that's cultivation. So honor, because I think originally it was, well, I don't know. It's It seems like it's always been honor versus odium instead of honor and cultivation versus odium. Because odium, yeah. odium killed honor. Cultivation's still there. Well, he I think he would have killed Cultivation if he was able to find her. That was a thing he was trying to do, right? Maybe, yeah. I think one of the things that this book did really well is make Odium into much more of a human character. I mean, like, partly by mm-hmm. um, by having Teravangian become Odium, but also before that, like, we found out that his motivations were to kill all the, all the Shardbearers and not incorporate their characteristics just to kill them. And near the end when he's doing the contract with Dalinar, we learned that he's like struggling and that he he's like, like yeah. hasn't foreseen these. So like yeah. Odium definitely became more of a a presence that we could wrap our head head around yeah. and say, see a way to defeat him. He's more of a character than a force. And it was set up from the beginning with this idea of, of the uh, the intent of the shard was at odds with the bearer. And I think from the beginning, like the Shah not interlude talked about this and then a few other times mm-hmm. and then not being able to see the future um, has, has been discussed with uh, Renarin and everything. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think by the end, the payoff with Odium was awesome. I, I feel like you're, you're right to an extent, Ben, that they like did humanize Odium or raise and, but I guess they showed some vulnerabilities and then they they just kind of made those irrelevant when they kill Rays and Teravangian takes place. And now I'm like, 
oh, well, crap, how are they ever going to take down ODM now? Because Teravangian's even outmaneuvering Wit. It's like, how do they stand a chance? He's just gotten on like a whole whole nother level. Well, I, I can see that criticism. I think that they almost become more relevant, though, because it shows the human, like seeing a shard bearer, or not a shard bearer, a shard holder die on screen it made it all the more like raise the stakes, you know, cause before I think we all just kind of assumed that Odium would just be able to, you know, if there's a sword coming for him, just like somehow just use a God force type thing to strike down the sword, you know? And now we see that the stakes are raised in terms of that. They can just be yeah. killed by so, several. So weapons. victory is possible, right? I mean, we have Todium now, Terbanginodium as the fandom is calling him. But we could take him down. I mean, we just took down Rhodium, so it's possible. But at the same time, yeah, uh, Todium seems pretty tough, especially with him tricking Hoyd, which is not something we've ever seen before. Yeah, I think we also have to recognize that somebody is going to have to pick up the shard. You know what I mean? Like, there is always going to be Odium, probably. Unless it gets splintered. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems like it'd be real bad, like a bunch of odium spren pop up everywhere we have splinters of pure evil and 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 let's say spoilers for mistborn can we do spoilers for mistborn here not big but well i i want to do big big spoilers so (laughs) i want to do the big ones all right spoilers for mistborn starting now if you haven't read the first era one mistborn because we got to talk about mistborn this because of the other reveal that was in here okay spoilers for mistborn era one starting now yeah so, I mean, we saw already a really clever use of um, of how Sanderson was able to kind of zero out, in a way, Ruin's powers by combining preservation Ruin into Harmony. So there's nothing to say that, like, there's not room in the Cosmere for Odium to be, for the Shard of Odium to be neutri- incorporated into Happy Ending for the, for the Cosmere. Preservation and Ruin are kind of a unique situation, though, where they were so at odds with each other. I mean, I don't know what is going to be. Yeah, is there a shard app? Maybe Whimsy. They'll combine Whimsy and Odia. <laughs> I know. I, I'm a just saying. hatred. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen the exact same way as it happened with with Preservation and Ruin. But I think that Sanderson has shown that like there are clever yeah, ways. Yeah, there's, there's ways that, yeah. Is that, is that the end of the Mistborn spoilers then? We might come back to we're gonna have to talk, yeah, Okay. We're gonna have to talk about another one later on. Uh, we, we don't. I mean, we don't need to talk about every plot yeah. point unless you do. You want to talk about Thydekar? Yeah, let's talk about Thydekar while okay. we're going on for Mr. Spoilers. Be, before we get there, just and um, going back to what you're saying with the shard thing, like this book disproved a not even a theory, just like something I'd taken for granted when they brought up how Odium could be just passion and Oathbringer. I thought, oh. Odium must, the shard must actually just be passion, but because Ray's is a hateful person, his own personality is like influencing the intent of the shard and making it hatred. So once they kill him, someone else can pick up the shard and it'd be great. Like it would just be passion. But this totally disproved that concept I had in my mind because like it is Odium and Teravangian is just as angry now. And well, he's not just his anger. He's still wanting to be able to save the Cosmere. Yeah, but he talks about the burning rage that it brings him. 
it it right. disproved my my passion theory that maybe this is a more benevolent shard than originally thought. That's my main confusion after reading this book and going into book five. I don't understand how Teravangi and how Todium is at odds here where he's saying, now I have the power to save the world, but what is he saving it from? Like, what are we doing now? We're just fighting against the Shard Odium because we have the deal in place and the 10 days are happening and Odium wants to do this other stuff, but how much of that was raised and what happens now that we have Todium? I don't understand everything that we're looking forward to there with that plot point. Can I put my two cents in there for that? Yeah. So I think that Raze's plan was to basically train a bunch of like the elite strike force of humans, right? To go and take out other shards. Yeah, he just wanted to kill all the other shards so he would be the most powerful. Right. And and I think it's implied, and I might just be reading into this, but I think it's implied that shards cannot like directly move against each other and like harm each other. And that's why like they can't harm wit directly. Well, he's certainly harmed other shards. Wit's not a shard, though. Right, but I think that they might have all signed the same like pact. There's something different going on with Wit. And honestly, if you haven't read Dawn Shard, you might not understand exactly, Josh. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'm just... Okay, but I think that still I stand by that Raze was making this army of super soldiers, right? And that's where it came from, like fighting in the Drinklin Halls. Yeah. yeah. That they were going to go invade other worlds or something, right? Yeah, which is what he wants Dalinar for still. Yeah, but I think that that Todium is probably going to be just go about that way differently, but still kind of have the same strategy, right? I see. I see him trying to be like a benevolent dictator in the sense that like I'm I'm smart, I understand everything, so this is how a perfect world should be. Let me impose it on you through that throughout the cosmos. Okay. Here, that's how I see uh, him being a threat. Or could it be like, I'm saving Roshar and uh, I'm going to destroy the rest of the Cosmere type thing? I mean, I don't know why his motivation would be to destroy. I think it's more to subjugate into a utopia. I don't know. Maybe it's a dark forest. Maybe it's a dark forest situation here, Jake. <laughs> could be a dark forest situation. Good. I, yeah, good call. I'm on board. The big question I have from this whole um, this whole thing is that this was kind of planned for by cultivation. She was literally preparing Teravangian to take up the shard of Odium. And after like Odium realizes this, he's, he, he thinks to himself, I, I forget exactly, but it was something like, Oh, she's made like a, she, she has no idea what she's done. Like in, in putting me in or giving me the shard of Odium. So do you think this, do you think that somehow Teravangian, is already outmaneuvering cultivation or this is something that cultivation already knows will happen. It seemed like he's outmaneuvering her, but it would be nice to see her win. Right. Yeah. Also does his boon and curse and boon, are those still in effect now that he yeah. is Odium going to be super dumb now? <laughs> well, it's not, it's not the super dumb thing. Like, could he switch back to being super compassionate? You know, because that could be. I don't think so. Race. <laughs> yeah, he's think he so. died, right? Like Teravangian's mortal body died. No, I don't think he's dead. I think he went into the shard of Odium before he died. No, no, his his body was there. No, the corpse was oh. raised. The corpse that was raised. Because yeah, it was raised as blackened corpse from. That's right. Okay, you're right. 
You're right. And whether he <laughs> Dude, did, just got shot down by the Phantology team. <laughs> whether he right. did transcend, that's, that's what I have him here for. <laughs> or die or not, the the curse and a boon seems to be more of a spiritual change, like in the spiritual realm. So I don't know if that will, if that's something that like. Uh, do we have over. to talk about like this concept of spirit webs? Spirit now, webs. I know this, I know this is the thing, but I don't understand. <laughs> I think that's just kind of like your spiritual DNA, right? The spiritual realm DNA. All right. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. All right. Let, let's move on to a different topic. So uh, back to some favorite parts, maybe. What other parts of the book should we talk about? I feel like we have to talk about, this was like a crazy part, like the whole Teft being such an integral part of it throughout all of it and then dying. That yeah. was crazy. And then I also, yeah, so let's, we can talk about that really fast. Yeah, I, you know, and I was thinking about this as well because I we we read the Sander Lynch obviously he and, and he died, and then I was thinking back to earlier parts when Kaladin was saving him and dragging him through the tower and keeping him alive, and everything. And now thinking back to that, like his death is even the more impactful because of everything that. And and I feel like maybe I had forgotten that a little bit just because of how long it takes to read the book, but now seeing it all tied together was really good. Yeah, like imagine nurturing somebody for like weeks and weeks you know i'm not sure how long it was yeah. you're just like taking care of this comatose person you can I mean, combine with their relationship from the previous right. yeah. time as well yeah especially when he's not on the rocks with or when he's on the rocks with his father he was seeing teft as kind of a father figure oh yeah right? for sure yeah. i mean teft volunteered to stay stay there with him and yeah it just it's crazy but i feel like that was handled really well right like I think as an audience, we all were sad when Teft died, but it was combined with happiness that he had found peace and that he had helped Kaladin. In the end. So I thought that was done really well. Also, from my end, a little bit of relief, maybe, because going into part five, I was super worried that someone big was going to die. I thought maybe Navani might die. And so I was relieved that, I mean, this is going to sound bad. I was relieved that it was only Teft that died <laughs> and not someone I was more emotionally attached to. but. It was something that Kaladin was super emotionally attached to. As a reader, like we like Teft, but there's a ton of other characters that maybe we like more. And so I was okay with Teft dying and I thought it worked really well for the story. I thought his his death was really well done in every way. Like the impactfulness of it, his like it being like his own end. It was like great for him personally as a character and for Kaladin. It was all really well done. And it furthered Moash as being a super yeah. villainous person. We didn't really talk about this, but it impacted Moash like as much as Kaladin almost. Like once Moash loses his connection to Odium and has to feel his yeah. pain again. Yeah. That was a huge moment for him. Kind of a, a similar uh, or related part to that when Kaladin kills Raboni, or not Raboni, uh, kills. Uh, like, wait, I missed something. <laughs> the, the, pers- the pursuer. Lesian. Lesian, the pursuer. That's his name, Lesian? Yeah. I just know Did him. Did you as- read the book? Yeah, I just know him as the pursuer. <laughs> the, he's the defeated, man. Yeah, the defeated. I mean, something, something, this was a really cool part. And I don't know what the implications are, but something weird happened to Kaladin there. His eyes turned yellow red or red gold or something. And, and, and Venley was like, it looked it reminded her of something yeah. but she didn't say what yeah yeah this, this is something we talked about in part five review that's tough like you don't know if he was like starting to turn into like odium's champion but 
that's what I, I thought. Don't think at, it that's what I thought at first, but then he obviously like it didn't affect his bond with Syl. So then I was like, well, it, it couldn't. It have- did though. Syl was like, I for, I can't remember the words anymore, and she was starting to fade. Well, that that wasn't because of that though. That was because of the um, tower being corrupted. Yeah, the tower being corrupted and dampening. I think it was also because bond. of Syl's personal um, journey that she had gone on of yeah. maybe being out. Like, a little bit more pessimistic i'm sure yeah. it all played into it but like he obviously he could still like surge bind fine you know so i i feel like if he was channeling odium i don't know if that really would have been it was definitely something though we i mean yeah. i guess that's something that we just kind of have to put a pin in and remember yeah that was a really cool part i thought all the science stuff in the tower was really cool i know that's kind of for some people could be a boring part to read but to me every time they made a new discovery yeah this is your science fiction love coming through yeah because I, I, I liked it too and i'm not yeah. a huge science fiction fan but i like science fiction so. it, was, it was just cool how he incorporated physics how yeah. like the opposite of a wave or like to cancel a wave it's basically the same exact thing just a fr- out of frame a little bit so that the the waves and the troughs cancel each other out or the peaks and the troughs yeah yeah that was really cool also Steven, since you're a big fan of Way of Kings, do you remember the interlude? Or it wasn't an interlude. It was with Shalon, and she was talking to uh, her her monk friend, not her monk. With the, the cities, the creation of the cities? Oh, yeah, with the creation of the cities. And he used with, the, with the sand. Yeah. The sand. Yeah, that was kind of tying it back into that. I was, I connected that, like when they first like brought up the singers and the rhythms, I assumed that meant that they sang these cities into formation like someone what is it would it be a dust bringer or whoever has tension or is that a bondsman i don't know but like they made the tension of the land loose and then they sang and let it like ripple into a city will shapers will shapers they're one of the ones that have tension do we think it's the same thing with shattered planes because that's another unanswered mystery that's been hinted at what shattered the planes maybe they tried doing it and then lost their connection so they like were mid song and then they lost the song or couldn't hear the rhythms and then that's what shattered the planes oh yeah i like i like the connection of the like the rhythms the singers here and the cities like you said ben to the how like the stormlight is has a frequency and like rhythm to it it's really cool yeah and then navani's plotline in general Awesome, right? I really I mean, liked it. We talked about this in in part five in the part five review. Uh, apparently, Mike over at Mike's book reviews had the same take, but this was Venley's book with the flashbacks. But really, we liked Navani the most, right? It was like really it, maybe Navani's it should have been Navani's book. Yeah. yeah, she had the best quote of the book, which is "Journey before dash- destination, you bastard," and then stabs. Yes. <laughs> by far like i I was i was thinking about it earlier today and it was just giving me chills like yeah it's such a cinematic moment and it just was a big fist pump yeah was that the bigger fist pump moment or was kaladin yeah getting his plate and saving lyran the bigger fist pump moment? uh kaladin sorry but i don't know a fist pump moment more of a just like heartwarming and just like yeah let me dry my tears here her it's okay her her saying journey before destination was more of a yeah, get uh-huh. I don't know why. Look, at, I don't know why you guys are just glancing over our man, oh, David, 
he said Jerry Greenspan. You couldn't even remember his name. (laughs) (laughs) David's great. I loved I loved David in this as well. David goes in the same category as as those other two fist pump moments. Just saying, he also said journey before destination. All right, didn't say you bastard at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said radiant. He said journey for before destination. Radiant, right? Is that what he said? I don't know. I don't even remember what it said because it wasn't as awesome. <laughs> I agree. I I really thought Navani's and and the thing is, this had been hinted at literally since the prologue, where we find out that um, her husband like looked down on her as not a scholar, and that she kind of had this complex about her and it just was like the slow evolution from the very first page did you guys feel like there was like a misdirection a little bit with relaine that wasn't really enforced enough to be a misdirection as far as relaine becoming the bondsmith yeah like i felt like they talked like they hinted at it and then they're like oh we got to get like let me get relaine to you but then i felt like it wasn't done enough for it to really be you never really believed that it was going to be Relaine. You're like, it's it's they they assume you're thinking I they assume it, it's going to be Relaine. I thought it was really? like half of me, half of me thought it's got to be Relaine. The other half of me is like, but Navani makes so much more sense. It's got to be Navani. Well, sounds like a pretty good misdirection then, Jake. Yeah, no misdirection is you don't think of the other thing at all, and then oh yeah, now I see it. Instead of like, wait, which one is it going to be the whole time? The sibling though was just kind of so against bonding anybody let alone a human that i was yeah that's what that's what made me plus navani with the capturing spren like he really didn't like her so or they 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 didn't talk about cool gray characters i really liked uh raboniel yeah she was awesome with with her daughter and how she kind of used the the anti-void light to kill her daughter or so that she would stop her suffering. I mean, we thought she was going to be like so evil and she was pretty evil. You know, she was planning on killing all the radiance with the anti-stormlight. But I mean, at the end, she helped Navani against Moash. She was just so driven to end this war that she did not care. She was one, like, obviously she that. wanted to win, but yeah, one axiom. her side not losing... And the other side actually finishing it, she just wanted it over. Yeah, for her, an end to the war was winning. And she didn't care if she had to kill a dozen radiants. She didn't care if she had to slaughter a tower full of people. She didn't. Yeah. And, and so I get, I mean, especially with the context that the book gives of her being literally like millennia old and this like destroying her daughter, destroying her life, like destroying her existence, destroying Roshar's existence, you know, like she basically sees herself as saving the world by ending this conflict, which she is doing. Right. And so I think that she was made into a very, very compelling villain, anti-hero. Yeah. Really liked it. We've talked about probably in every part episode, or we've talked about this a few times, this concept of the villains in the Stormlight archive, and they've been killed a lot and we keep on getting new ones. And what do we think or who do we think the villains are going to be in part five? Like L and his group of fused soldiers that are now separated from Odium and Todium in general. Like, I I guess this is one thing that I kind of question because we had some cool new villains here in Lesion and Raboniel, but they're gone as soon as they came in for this book. 
I think the pursuer slash defeated slash lesbian was probably one of the more disappointing parts of the book for me. It was just there to provide Kaladin with some cool like action moments throughout it. Yeah, he was just kind of like a mindless. Never, uh, he never really seemed that much enemy. of a threat. Yeah, so I, I really I, liked the I like I liked the the arc he had of I'm this cool pursuer, and then Kaladin like turning him into the defeated. Like that was really cool. If it was something like I wish, I honestly like if I was writing the book, I or whatever, like I wish that he would have killed like if another member of Bridge Four might have killed him. And then he went and killed the member of Bridge Four. And then, like, Kaladin was like, oh, crap. You know what? Like, some type of tension or some type of, like, he actually impacted the plot in, like, a some major way. Because it felt like he was going to. So, I don't know. He, he could have had more of, like, a Moash feel where it was, like, an actual threat. Like, whenever he was on the screen, you kind of got chills. Okay, so we love Herboniel. Yeah. We, we loved Herboniel. We're like, meh, on the Pursuer. Moash is still cool. He's still around although he has been blinded. Here's a thing. So Rhodium, I think this is still the Rhodium time. When he's dealing with Dalinar, he says, I know my champion. Do you know yours? And so who's his champion that he knows? Wait, have you guys heard the theories on this? No, spew them. Oh, yeah, what are I've heard Aolin, but no, it's, it's, it's really sad. This is 17th shard theory. Okay. Or one of the people on 17th shard. Oh, oh, here it comes. Roger's not. It's, uh, wait, what's his name? <laughs> Dab it. <laughs> it's, it's, um, the, the princeling kid. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gavinor. Yeah, Gavinor. Gav. But well, how is Gavinor in 10 days? Time? In 10 days? Shh, 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 because it's a battle to the death. So, oh. is oh. Dan going to be able to just kill him? Kill a child? Ooh, oh shoot! He's got to channel his Robert Baratheon and just go ham. <laughs> it's so depressing, <laughs> but it makes so much sense, and it would be such wow. a it would be such a Todium thing to do. So that's the reason why Gavinar exists. Right that now? was Rodium's idea too, or well, is that I don't know if it's Rodium. I think Rodium still wants to turn Dalinar or Kaladin, or Kaladin. But there's also a death rattle of in the first book saying I hold a child in my arms with a knife to the throat and the whole world wants me to like move my wrist, but I can't or something like that. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. yeah. 17th charge, ladies and gentlemen, this is why <laughs> these guys exist. I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that Dalinar is going to lose the duel, whether uh, yeah, intentionally cool. or not. Like I, he, he's going to somehow become, bound to odium and then have to like defeat odium from within that's how i feel as well that he's gonna lose i don't know like how his plot will progress from there but i think dalinar loses so odium can just choose whoever even if they're unwilling to be his champion maybe gavinor no gavinor could say yeah gavinor also like was you know within the yeah within within the effects of uh and the unmade there yeah so the revel and everything. Yeah. yeah. And he, he wants revenge for his father's death. He's like six years old though. I, I know. So, so, so emotional, easily corrupted. Yeah. I mean, we saw what Jalan did when she was like six or seven. I mean, I have been wondering like, why does he, why is he a thing? Yeah. Why this is, is he still around? This is like when Ben realized the thing about uh, Shalon killing her, like, 
it, it makes so much sense. Like yeah. when it's said, and then you're like, oh crap. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. I hope it doesn't now. I mean, three years in advance and we already know the big thing. Well, hopefully it's not the big thing. Hopefully that happens. And that, yeah, that's going to happen in like the first part of the book. Days. Yeah. So on a different note, what was Relaine's spren? Was it the Windrunner sprint or no, the, the Shaper. It's a Will Shaper sprint that's corrupted? Yeah, it's the same as uh same as Venley's sprint. What well, is Venley's sprint isn't corrupted though? Oh yeah, I just mean the same um this one same is order. Same order. So it's a it's a light sprint. I was yeah. Yeah. I was confused with that because we saw that, like, we found out that that's the Kremlin that has been kind of falling around that we've seen. I could have sworn that that Kremlin had a connection to Donchard the whole time. I thought it was one of the... Uh, Amian? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember anything, like, suggesting that. I, I had that thought at first because they, you know, just because of yeah. Kremlin spies in general, I was like, oh, maybe it's one of those. Yeah, but, like one of those fake end spies. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a strange little plot element there all right uh we haven't talked about shalon and adolin yeah this is big what's what's there to talk about all right all right so that's one opinion (laughs) i really like their i like their uh little plot (laughs) well it, it really wasn't like that long and like understandably so like that that's all there was to it but it's one of those things that didn't really have a huge impact to the overall plot of this book, but obviously will moving forward, you know? Yeah, I guess that was my main disappointment. I thought after the end of what was that part three or part four, when, you know, we get the, we chose thing and Maya comes out with the big mic drop. I thought we were then immediately going to get stuff about the false desolation and the recreants. And this is going to tie in to the big ending in part five. And I was maybe expecting a little more. And so now my understanding is this is going to be important for book five, but I guess I just wanted more of a, a tie and a knitting together. of yeah, these plots. That was kind of the theme of most of the climaxes of this book is they were like, like revelations or WTF moments that are like, dang, what's going to happen in the next book now? Yeah. So it like fell in line with that. Yeah. Also what's up with, why did sh- like the Shah Shah not was the one that was captured and caused the s- slave form, right? Am I? Oh, it's Bam, 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 Bam. What's up with Bam? Like, what's the connection between Bam and the Dead Eyes? Like, how did capturing her affect all the other non-Odium Spren? Don't know. You guys not not interested to that part? Okay. Maybe this. Well, I, I I'm interested. I just don't know. I don't, I don't have a theory. Maybe Seventeenth Shard has a theory. Yeah. Josh, continue listening. Let us know. <laughs> Those guys always have theories. Um, we do have one question uh, from Discord. Well, we have two. One is when we think the when will the first when will the ten days be complete? Part one through five are are, are options. Mm, I think yeah. part one. I, I, I think part two. Part four. Hey. No, not part really. four. I think part four. No, I, I'm with Ryan. I, I think part four, and then we have the the Sander Lynch in part five is like the conclusion of the ten days or whatever. Yeah, man. Thing happens next. Although I guess this one he he like the structure was do like a big action sequence in the beginning and then later. So if he does that again, I don't do that again. 
I just I don't know was... how you can how can you split ten days to last a thousand pages? Well, I think that's why he did the year the year gap before this one to set this up. Like I'm assuming he's plotting four and five pretty closely together. The last season of How I Met Your Mother all happened within like one weekend. So you can, you can squish up. Don't together. compare How I Met Your Mother to Farmland <laughs> Archive. Okay, second question. Second question is um, how well are Kaladin and Seth going to get along? Will they have a lot of friction on their oh, mission? Yeah. They probably will because they won't have lift with them. But a boom. Thanks, Stephen. That was your best worst joke ever. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I foresee lots of friction with just their ideals of Zeth being like, this is what the law is, like nothing else, you know, black and white. And then also the fact that he's definitely crazy. I feel like they could become kind of like a fun buddy and frenemy combination a little bit here. I hope so. Like a Starsky and Hutch. One's, one's the suit, one's the more relaxed. <laughs> sure. Here's one crazy thought what if Zeth decides that some people need to die that Kaladin decides need to he needs to protect, protect. right because yeah, Zeth is going on like a cleansing mission to Genevar and Kaladin's not about to let him kill random people yeah I don't understand that that pairing like how that how that's going to work for Zeth's mission hmm there's going to be some little duel Avenger style style duel where like I'm forgetting was it Hulk and Iron Man Civil War style I was thinking more just like Avengers one, the Hulk Buster suit. Yeah. Like where there's a little throwdown amongst heroes. There's probably going to be that for sure. For Maybe sure. More like a Thor Ragnarok situation. I don't, I, I'm just thinking that Seth is going to like barely pull night blood. He's going to be like, Oh no. And then put it back. And then they're going to like calm down. You know, mm. do we know what would happen if night blood touched another shard blade? I can't remember if we've seen that on screen. Well, we see it neck the honor blade. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The We've honor blade isn't. Well, I guess it is a living spren. It's not. The honor blade's not. No, I don't think it's a spren. Not at all. Because it it still gifts radiant powers. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's not a like they came before they had them before Roshar, right? No, they had them on Roshar because the oath pact was made on Roshar. But the spren modeled themselves modeled after after the honor blades. Okay. okay. They were just, they're just like an artifact. All right, Josh, give us some more questions from Discord. I like it. I just said, I, I had the two. I, I, those are the, those are the two that. That's it. <laughs> I think that what we were on Shalon and um, it led this plot line. I think the last thing we need to talk about with that is my prediction is that Shalon's going to go, like they're going to split up. Adeline's going to come back with a force of Spren uh, to decide to align with the humans because of we chose. And then Shalon is going to go off world hopping to find Lord of Scars, a.k.a. spoiler tag, Kaladin. Not Kaladin. Not that. (laughs) Your lead up up was so great until the end. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like world hopping, I feel like that's got to be like book six through ten, right? Not. It's set up so perfectly, man. She's like, she's right there. She's already befriended. What's his name? Kalek. Kalek. Yeah, she's already befriended Kalek. He wants to get off world. She wants to go deal with Idakar. It's set up to do it, and I think it would make a lot of sense. I think it makes sense to do it, but I just feel like 
Yeah, okay, the fate of the world's at stake right now, so let me go off on this adventure. <laughs> She's going to make her fake army of uh, people like she did in Northbringer. Yeah, I I, I want her to world top personally just because I really want to see world hopping. Also, I'm pretty sure there's a reason why we haven't seen Mistborn 4 yet. Or Mistborn, mm-hmm. sorry, yeah. The, the fourth, the fourth Wax and Wayne. Yeah, the fourth Wax and Wayne. Because I think that it's going to be revealed like uh, that this might tie into that. Yeah, the uh, the Trell thing yeah. that's going on there at the end. I guess no spoilers, but uh, some big stuff there. Yeah, yeah, that's going to come out before. I don't Stormlight know. Five. I don't know. You know it's it's going to come out yeah. before Stormlight Five. That's his plan. But I think that that's why I think Stormlight Four had to happen before Stormlight Five for that revelation. Well, yeah, Stormlight Four did have to happen before Stormlight. Stormlight Four had to happen for before Era Two. Get him, Ben. Get him. Not Star Wars over here. <laughs> Yeah, no, Ben is not going to stand for anyone messing up their words, <laughs> especially not Kaladin. <laughs> okay. Anyway. The, the Thydekar thing was such a cool reveal. I mean, I guess it hasn't technically been, re- I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, but I think everyone. Lord of Scars. That would be a prime mystery. That's got to be, I mean, yeah, that's, it's got to be him. All right. So to wrap up, I think I think we're uh, we've talked through. I mean, most yeah, of the stuff. Do Bentley, which is very telling that we're saving her till last. Yeah. yeah we, okay. And we should talk about the, the things we did. Yeah, like saving much. her. Uh huh. <laughs> I I liked Vinley as a character, and I really liked the flashbacks with Vinley and Esh and I. I thought on their own they're really good. I was just sad that they started so late and there weren't that many of them. They weren't as impactful, right? Like the other flashbacks, there was some secret that we were learning the whole time. And that really pushed pushed it along. Like we wanted to know what happened to Kaladin. You know, why, why, how did he get into this position? What was the big thing that Dalinar did that he hates himself so much for? What was Shallan's big secret? We already knew. We didn't, Venley. we didn't know all of it though. Like we didn't know that she had been influenced. We knew she was kind of like influenced by Odium's friend, but we didn't know that she had been talking to whatever that sprint was called and yeah we didn't know parts of it we didn't know how she got to where she was but we knew she, where she no, was going I, I, well the big reveal i think was that she is the one that orchestrated the entire both like coming forth of the desolation yeah yeah and that she orchestrated gavilar's death like yeah. those two things i think were the big revelations but they but we didn't know that we wanted them. You know what I mean? They were just kind yeah, of, I, I agree they're, they're not as like juicy, but I also think the, the character insight and character like development was really great for those flashbacks. So I really liked them. I just was disappointed in the amount of them. I just wish it, like if, if he would have been saying, if Venley would have been thinking to himself, Oh man, I can't believe I did this to the humans or I can't believe I did yeah. this to the seniors. You know what I mean? And just had, some things like that where where when that moment landed it like really landed then it would have made those flashbacks better but i i like them too jake and 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 part of it is like brandon sanderson has said i think book three was originally supposed to be the was it book three or two i don't know one of them were supposed to be esh and i's flashbacks but then they got bumped down the line and then we already got a lot revealed and words of radiance and other stuff so it was Mm -hmm. 
he had it planned out and it didn't work that way. And so we had information that originally we weren't going to have for the flashbacks. And so there, there were adjustments that needed to be made. And that being said, like, I wish there were more to them, but I really enjoyed them. I thought they were still really good. You're telling me it's difficult to plan out a 10 book series of 1000 plus pages and tens of really interesting, well-realized characters with tons of secrets and this entirely alien landscape and make this into like something that people want to read. You're telling me that's difficult. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mildly. mildly. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think that's a good Venley discussion though. Like not the best, not, not my, the worst. Yeah. My, my biggest disappointment with pacing was as much as I loved the, the diehard sequences, it felt a little bit like, like we'll go do something and then we'll go back and like not do so anything. So Jake's hot take is that, which I agree that I did not mind the pacing with the Eshina stuff and the Venling stuff, but your hot take is that you thought that the Singer stuff was paced well, but the Kaladin stuff was not paced well. Yeah, I think it was it was looser than it should have been. It should have been tighter. Like it didn't need, not saying that Kaladin's story should have been shorter, but there was just things that like, like you didn't need a whole chapter of playing with the little Fabrile thing. Not not just that even. It's just, let me try to focus my words here. Because obviously I'm not a writer, so I have trouble with being long-winded as well and not concise. But it just felt like the, the pacing felt weird in the sense that like some things would happen and then it would just be like, it's like, okay, was that going to be a big thing? No. Okay, we'll wait. And then like, something else will happen, something else. It didn't feel like it was building. It just felt like peaks and then flat peaks and flat as opposed to like building to a crescendo. There definitely was like a like the climax and, and everything in there. Ooh, Jake. I know. You I just used, used crescendo, crescendo wrong. Okay. <laughs> it didn't feel like a, there wasn't a crescendo. There wasn't was like, a crescendo. Okay. It was just like flat with spikes and then a big spike at the end where I would have liked to see more of a crescendo in there to be tighter. But yeah, I, I feel like it's, like I said, I enjoyed every minute of the book. I just think there should have been a little tighter in that sequence. Okay. Let's let's go ahead and close out the spoiler portion. So as we close, I don't think worst of the best, I don't know, should we fit in a worst of the best or should we do what we're looking forward to in book five? I think what we're looking for. I don't know. No, what let's do, do worst of the best. I want to do worst of the best, man. Okay. All or right. no, we can do what we're looking forward to. I don't know. We've All right. You choose. Either you throw out your worst of the best or or uh, tell us what you're looking forward to in book five, like something that's unanswered or give us the, the, most re- the most interesting remaining thing that you can possibly say at this time, starting now. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. I'll, I'll go first because I, this is partly a discussion I wish I had, but I want to know what the heck was going on with the cryptics. With the cryptics or with the, the physical? With, sorry. 
yeah, with the cryptics and all this friend manifesting in the physical realm with the Shar, I feel like that's going to be a really big deal in the coming books. And so I'm flabbergasted by that. When I was reading that, I was like, this is yeah. some weird, like what you would expect to see in some Stephen King book. Yeah. Like not, not what you would expect to see in this Anderson book. And I'm excited for that. I hope that comes into play in book five. Also worse of the, also worse of the best because I want more of that. And it was awesome. That, that's what like the Tukari people were doing in Shadesmar, right? Trying to capture Sprint for that. Maybe. That's, yeah, that was something that I put on Discord because thinking back to part two, I was like, wait a second, this whole thing was unanswered. What were they doing? So yeah, it must have been, right? He was in Tukar, right? That's the... Yes, yeah. All right, so I'll go next. My similarly, similar to that uh, in a related fashion, my greatest thing I'm looking forward to is I liked how they ended things with Dalinar and Ishi and how he had that moment of sanity where he was able to say like, Hey, I need help. You know, like I need to be sane to teach you. But then he like immediately went back to crazy. So I feel like that I'm excited to see how that plays out with trying to get this insane, almost evil character to be good and redeem himself. Can I tag on to that? Like just all of the all of the heralds just like have them do something more than what they're doing now? Yeah, what did Talon and Ash do? Man, nothing. That was, that was such a cool scene with him and his honor blade and all the stuff he could do. That was Yeah. That was amazing. There's some speculation that he was maybe burning ATM or something like that. Weird. Yeah, that was <laughs> Josh, Jake is calling Josh weird. That was no, my I, speculation. Oh, that was? Oh, how? I don't know if it was burning ATM, but I think that there's a similar power set that he was using. Own it, Josh. Own it. Yeah, that he was burning ATM. Yeah, I screw it. I, I don't buy I think, that. I don't I buy that. Using... Because it was the reason for, because when he was fighting them, it was described as if he knew exactly yeah. what they were going to be doing. It's described in a similar way that ATM fights are described. But also, like, yeah. he's someone who's fought for like millennia. I know, Jake. But it still says that it's like it says the words like it's like he knew, he knew what they were going to do before he did it, and the fact that none of them could land like even a strike on like his blade, I don't know. And I got a question like that raffled from Sanderson, so just deal with it, Jake. Oh, Obviously, okay. Jake does not listen to episodes of Phantology. He's not yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, that's what we have learned. <laughs> when did you get raffled on that? Uh, the words You're, of radiance. No, we're gonna raffle you. You gotta, you gotta listen and find out. Laugh, yeah. <laughs> laugh, oh Jake. Okay, okay. I could, I could see maybe part of his bondsmith powers allowing that, but I don't see him burning actual ATM. Okay, okay. All right, Ben. What is yours? So I'm gonna do some, some weaving here. It's gonna be worst of the best. It's gonna address a question we got on Discord, and it's gonna be what I'm looking forward to most. Okay, here we go. Worst of the best. Oh boy. Is I wish, and Josh, you might want to take your ear, earphones out for this part. I wish that Don Shard would have played more of an uh, more of a role here. I wish that we would have seen Risen do more. I wish that the Amians would have done more. Um, so that's worst of the best was I loved Don Shard. That was the best part, but the worst part was that it didn't play more of a role here. The question when we okay. got up was will Don Shard come into play in book five? I think it has to, right? Like we have this super OP character that has a Don charge. She has the intent of changing, right? So we got to f- see how that plays into this whole she thing. She needs to ride the Larkin. 
right? Yeah, she needs to be a Larkin writer. She needs to change a speaking Larkin, apparently. Speaking <laughs> Larkin. So yeah, so that's yeah, that's kind of everything. And Josh, you can put your earphones back in. We're good. Does it have to be something we haven't talked about yet? Because uh, honestly, the worst of the best for me is something we already mentioned, which is the whole Adolin and Shalon thing. And I thought they were interesting, but then I just wanted more of a connection. And and that was maybe the whole thing with this book for me. The reason why it wasn't 10 out of 10 was the final climax. Well, very cool and had lots of great payoffs. We didn't connect enough with Adolin and Shalon and Dalinar. And I just loved how Oathbringer brought everyone together. And maybe it needed to be different in this book. And I'm probably glad that not every book is exactly the same. But at the same time, I, I did just want to see like more of a connection and more of a uh, and a complete arc of some of these storylines in this book. And so maybe that just primes primes the pump even more for book five. And I'm even more excited to see how all of these things pay off because there's a lot of unanswered things right now. I mean, we didn't even have time to talk about everything. We probably have through the course of our individual part reviews, but there's a lot here. And I couldn't be more pumped for KOW. If the uh, if the little backwards the chiasmus holds, yeah, the whatever that's called, the katek, I think chiasm. Yeah, well, katek is the stormlight archive word for oh yeah uh, chiasmus or whatever that word is. Yeah, dude, he makes it work in like every name he puts in. He's gonna make it work. Knights of Woshar Wound Table, Knights of the Wound Table, Knights of Wound Table. <laughs> All right. On that note, yeah. I mean, guys, this is kind of bittersweet, right? We're closing out our coverage of this book. We've breathlessly covered this book. Stephen had, I mean, reviews for the first 20 chapters. We've done a review for each part. This Devoted is a, the last six months of my life to this book. This is the ending of an era. And six I'm months. not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> Since the preview chapters started coming out, maybe five months. I oh, yeah. Remember. I totally forgot about that. I was like, the book just came out. But you're right. Yeah. It's been like six months. I'm going to admit I almost started a, a re-listen as soon as I finished. You know, I might I might do that in the next in the next couple of weeks here. I guess I have to make my way back through the fan fantology back catalog before I can do a reread. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're sorry, out of man. sorry, man. If you want me on on more videos, I got to spend my listening time listening to the stand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. So that's yeah. I guess Stephen, you want to give us a preview of what's coming up after now that we're done with Rhythm War. Coming up from Phantology 2021. So we are on track to hit 100 episodes by the end of the year. Q, Brandon Sanderson saying huzzah. huzzah. And uh, going into 2021, we are finishing up the Poppy War. So the Dragon Republic and the Burning God. We're going to read both of those. I'm about halfway through the Dragon Republic right now. I'm planning on finishing it quickly before Ben forgets all the details because I know it's been a little bit since you've read it. And we're going to read things such as Fires of Vengeance, the next Evan Winter book, probably Ready Player Two. Josh and Jake are reading The Stand right now by Stephen King, which if you don't know what that is, it's about a pandemic, which is about as much as I know. So I'm looking forward to your episode, episode on that. Comes out this what else week? are we reading? Um, Dune. I'm, I'm a quarter of the way through Dune. Dune is happening. Yeah, Dune is happening. If we're going further into 2021, we're going to sure breathlessly cover the uh, release of wheel of time tv show oh yes and malazan or malazan yeah we, we've uh committed to 
YouTube commenters that uh, Malazan will be covered more in 2021. I'm excited to get back to that. I, yeah, I'm not committed to like, I don't know if we're going to be able to finish all 10 books within the year because that's kind of a big commitment. But we will be reading them in conjunction with other things. So Phantology continues on, even though Stormlight Archive is sadly going to be put into the into the uh, you know the rearview mirror for a little bit. And we might end up. I think that this is. I I want to do more Cosmere stuff. You know, so be look forward to those. We got all of. We've done the first Mistborn book. We got to do the those the two next ones. We got to do Mistborn Era two. We got to do Warbreaker. I mean, there's a lot that we still need to do with the Cosmere. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. So yeah, no matter what uh, series you like, I mean, please hit us up on Discord. Let us know what series uh, you want us to cover or drop some comments wherever you're seeing this content. And we will try to do that. You actually reminded me, Ben, my roommate is reading Way of Kings right now. So maybe we'll have him on for a Way of Kings review uh, yeah. since our first one came out, uh, one of our earlier videos, which, which are maybe a little bit more rough. So thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. And you can find more of our content at www.phantologybooks.com. See you guys next time. See ya. See ya.